Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, El Jefe, Jeff Hopkins. Welcome to the Jefe Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We got another great episode for you guys today. A couple weeks ago, I sat down with my good buddy, professional tennis player, J.J. Wolf, and he was coming straight off a phenomenal run in the U.S. Open, where he made it to the third round before he was knocked off by the three-seed, Daniil Medvedev. So we talked a little bit about that. We talked at length about his journey to becoming a professional player, and we got into the long and storied lineage of the Wolf family. And JJ is one of the rising stars in the game. He's one of the coolest guys you'll ever meet. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. So JJ, man, barely over a year as a pro. Like you've played around the world and you just got done with the U.S. Open, man. Tell me what that experience was like. No, man, it's, it's been wild, honestly. I'm just grateful to have gotten this opportunity. Um, you know, leaving, making the decision to leave school early and uh, kind of shoot my shot at the pros was, you know, uh, definitely a tough decision for me, but I'm very thankful that I, that I took it and uh, I'm getting to, you know, play around the world and kind of fulfill my dream. Yeah, that step off the edge, that's just what you needed, man. What was that decision like? Well, you know, it was tough. My last year in college was, you know, a pretty dominant year for me. So it was kind of, you know, it helped me, you know, have that confidence boost to go, go after it, you know, but Still wasn't easy those first couple months transitioning. Um, trying to think when. I had, I had a tough summer, got hurt, uh, messed up my, my ankle at NCAAs. So I was out uh, for a couple weeks and then went back into tournaments, didn't do so good. And then, you know, I started ramping it up in the fall. Uh, what was that last year, 2019? Let's talk about this U.S. Open a little bit, this past U.S. Open. So... You had a pretty good stretch there. You were first round killing him, second round killing him, third round. You go up against the third ranked person in the tournament, man. What was your mindset going into that game? You know, for for that one against Medvedev, it was I honestly had no idea what to expect. I'd never played, you know, a top ten player before. He had gotten to the finals last year against Nadal, lost in five sets. You know, just a, a great player. Never played someone as good as him. So I was just kind of curious to see how my level would stack up and, you know, if I could hang with him or, uh, you know, see if I could do some damage. Uh, but it was tight there for a while in the beginning. I was pretty nervous. We're on a, you know, a what is it, 20-something thousand-person stadium, completely empty. So it was like we'd have these great points, then, like, silence. It's just echoing in there. I'm like, this is a weird feel. It's like this shadow on the court didn't seem to face him at all. I'm, like, feeling like I'm going to whiff the ball. It's just going in and out of the shadows. But, uh it's definitely a good experience for me. You know, uh, he kind of laid it on me that day, but I think there was a point at 4-3 deuce in the first set where I, I ripped a shot up the line and he kind of hit the craziest shot I've ever seen, like lob over my head. I didn't even think he should be able to get to the ball. And uh, if I could have had an ad there and broken him and make it 4-all, I think it could have been a little bit tighter. But It's a great learning experience for the future, man. Let's talk about your journey to here a little bit. When did you start picking up the game of tennis? You know, it was, you know, times on vacation where we'd play a little. Myself, my mom against my sister and my dad kind of mixed doubles. And it would get real competitive even when we were little. Uh, and that's, that's kind of where we started playing. And I'd play, you know, maybe once a week. You know, after that with my, my dad, sister, and mom. Uh, probably until I was around eight or nine. Then I started playing a little more. Uh, but it really started picking up when I, I quit my other sports 
when I was a sophomore in high school, stopped playing, you know, like soccer, basketball, baseball, those those type of sports, and uh, really said, you know, this is, this is what I want to do. Um, might want to make a career out of it if I'm lucky enough. So, you know, that's that's kind of when I decided to uh, go all in. And so what what made that decision for you? Like, did you were you just like, okay, tennis is obviously my sport, or like, was there like a figuring out process in this? There was definitely a, I had to figure some stuff out. I think the the end decision maker was in the other team sports. I couldn't, you know, control everything. I'd go and have a great game, and we'd still lose, and I, I hated it. You know, I'm like super fun. I loved having like the team environment. I still think basketball is probably the, the most fun sport for me to play personally, but I'm like, you know, I, I really love the responsibility of if I have a bad game, it's on me. And if I have a great game, it's on me, you know, like, like kind of being able to control your own career and take advantage of those opportunities that you earn. I think, you know, that's what kind of set tennis apart for me. So when you're on the tennis court, how much of a mental battle is it with you and your opponent? Because like you're saying, there's no other – you don't have any teammates to fall back on, no other responsibility besides just you guys. So what's that like? You know, it's, it's a real weird feeling uh, coming from other sports. But the more tennis I kind of played – like I remember in junior tennis, I'd feel like, you know, kind of lonely out there. I'd be looking at my dad in the stands or my mom in the stands – all the time, kind of like, you know, making sure they're like still there, you know, being a little kid out there all alone, like it's a lot. And uh, as I've gotten older, I kind of come to, you know, enjoy that kind of, you know, your coaches can't yell at you out there, you know, it's just, you got to make the adjustments. So it's, if he's doing something well, you got to decide whether you're going to keep playing your game and see if he's good enough to beat you that day, or if you're going to, you know, change it around and try to mess mess with his game a little bit make him change it up so that's I've been trying to get better at that I've you know pretty much got one like game style and when it's on it's been you know very successful for me but uh as I start playing these guys like Medvedev you know some some of these top guys I'll see how you know I need to make some more adjustments like college never really needed to make any adjustments it was all kind of I play my game but uh yeah it's it's a mental battle out there especially the three out of five set matches that can you know, last five, six hours if it's a real battle. I thankfully haven't had any of those yet, but, you know, I've had a couple of those, uh, you know, four-hour just absolute wars, can't walk after, so. Oh, my God. Four hours on the court? I played a practice match with a guy named Tennis Sanger before I left for the U.S. Open. It was about four hours and 45 minutes. And oh, my I'd God. Been, and, I, you know, I, I haven't played a five-set match before. Uh, well, I played one in the 18 under national finals, but it was, you know, 18 year olds, not, I was playing a, you know, a grown man. This, this guy's like 50 in the world. And, uh, you know, it was, I was like feeling good during the match minute it ended. I'm like, wow, geez, my legs are, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to be able to get out of bed tomorrow. Shoot. After four and a half hours, bro, I could definitely see that. Dude, that's the thing. It's like, for me, I'll never get tired during a match. It's all like the mental stress. So it's, that's what I'm trying to get better at handling also. It's, you can go and practice for five hours, and you can go play a match for two hours and feel equally tired. After the two, it's that like, level of intensity you got to keep through the whole thing. It's, uh, especially against these pros now, it's, it's, a, it's a different animal. Yeah, man. Yeah. So let's go back to your journey a little bit. So 
your first your first national championship with with your boy J Mac in 2016. Man, describe that feeling, winning a national championship. Oh, that was that was a crazy experience. We were more than excited. I mean, we were so pumped. I think he like jumped into my arms or something after the match. It was like a there was a whole thing for us, and that got us a wild card into the U.S. Open doubles. As like, what were we? I think we were like 17, and we went and you know played two guys. I think they might have gotten to the quarters of the semis, and we lost. I think it was like maybe four and four or something like that. But it was it was it was a fun experience, and uh, you know being two boys from Ohio that made it much cooler for us. You know, and then went to in college it was pretty cool too. After that national championship, you went to the Western Southern. How was that experience? It was awesome. You know. Uh, got to be my favorite tournament in the world getting to play you know in front of the home crowd all my friends can be there you know tennis is such a worldwide sport you don't get to play at home that much uh, especially if you look at where most of the tournaments are it's the, primarily Europe so when I get a chance to play in the United States in Cincinnati Ohio in front of my family and friends just nothing beats it whether I win or I lose that's the most fun I'll ever have in a tennis court yeah, man. Cincinnati, five one three, bro. That's all it's about, man. And everyone from Cincinnati, you know, they have so much pride in being from Cincinnati. And it's like, you know, this Midwest city, who would think? But everyone from Cincinnati's like, you know, five one three, baby. Yeah, man. We gotta be. We ride or die, man. Nobody else, nobody else in Ohio likes us. Nobody else in the US likes us, man. We gotta love ourselves. <laughs> That's right. Man, so I was looking at your Instagram and you got to practice with Roger Federer. Yeah, bro. That is insane, man. Tell me about that. Oh, he's the goat, man. So we were supposed to hit, I think it was like, he was flying in late one night and uh, one of my buddies, James Sophia gave me the call. He's like, Hey, you want to hit tonight? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like who do you got? And he was like, Federer. And I was like, Oh gosh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, let me get ready for this. And uh, I think it might have supposed to be at like seven or something. And I go out there in the court, you know, I get there 30 minutes early. I'm all nervous, like getting ready, jogging around, hitting with my coach. It's on center court in Cincinnati. Uh, I don't think I'd hit on that court yet. So I was, you know, nervous, trying to feel out the court, how to feel, what were the sounds. And uh, like an hour goes by. And he's like still not there. And I'm like, surely I hope he didn't like skip out on this. And uh, then I think about maybe eight something. He shows up in the court. He's like, man, I'm sorry. My, uh, you know, my private jet landed late. We got held up. I had to do some stuff. But, you know, I'm here now. You're good to still hit like two hours. And I was like, of course. Are you kidding me? Like, I would have waited, you know, another day to hit. And uh, he was just super nice. Uh, felt like such a normal guy. We, uh, you know, had a great practice. Got to play some sets. And then after he spent like 30 minutes just talking with me, just kind of shooting the shit. And uh, yeah, I don't know. He was just such a surreal figure to me. And then he just seems like a normal dude, has like his boys, like all that stuff. And uh, yeah, well, I, I saw him at Indian Wells uh, maybe a, almost a year later. And he was like, JJ, what's up? Just like casually just glanced over, said, and I was like, you remembered that from one hit? Are you kidding me? And uh, that, that was the coolest experience I've had. Yeah, man. Just from what you're telling me, like, he sounds like he's a cool dude. Like, he's so down to earth. Oh, you, you won't find cooler. He was, I mean, he was telling jokes, just, you know, threw a couple cuss words in there. Just like, this guy's so clean on court. 
and then Stabby's just like us, you know, except mm-hmm. for amazing and great. Yeah. You, know, you get any get any points on him? Yeah, so I think the first set he won six four, but you could tell he was like first first hit in Cincy. Probably wasn't super comfortable. I was playing as hard as I could. You know, <laughs> I I got some break points on him early, and he just hit aces. He was like, "All right, you're not breaking me." Just ace, ace. I think I had like three break points. He's there's there's a couple of videos of it on YouTube someplace. But uh, yeah, it was fun. I think I played pretty well, and uh, I got notified that I got the wild card into qualies, maybe a couple hours after that hit. And uh, after my first round win there in qualies, he like came up to me, kind of like gave me a nod, he's like, "Good match." That's you know? tough, man. That's I tough. saw him the next day after, and I was like, "That's tough." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm fine. I don't have to win anymore as long as I got that, you know? Yeah, man. For real. <laughs> I mean, shoot. So, been all these crazy places, man. Where is your favorite place to play? Cincinnati. Cincy? Cincy's got to be my favorite. Uh, if I had to choose one outside of Cincy, U.S. Open, New York, I just love playing at home. Uh, but I haven't gotten to play a lot of the places. I've gotten to play once in Indian Wells, California. It's beautiful. Uh, didn't get to play in Miami this year. It was canceled. But outside the country, if I had to pick one, um, it's hard, man. Wimbledon has a different feel Wimbledon. and everything. But I haven't played that since 17. Played the junior tournament there. But, you know, it's that's a different vibe completely. It's just so much history. When did you – like, when did this really start picking up for you? After college – the first couple months, I think it was pretty much all U.S. and Canada, just trying to stay like hardcore tournaments. Not, I don't have a lot of experience on clay, so I think they're trying to, you know, get me some points there just until I get, you know, my ranking up. And then I, you know, I, I didn't expect to climb this fast. It was kind of a surprise. I won a couple tournaments. Um, then the the biggest surprise for me was Numea early in the year, which is you know middle of the ocean by Australia before the Australian Open. And I went over there, probably got there a week early. Our Airbnb wouldn't respond to us, literally stranded in a place. No one spoke English, all French. And uh, we ended up finding this little hotel, stayed in it for like five days before the tournament started. And then we got transferred over to the uh, resort. It was super nice, beautiful, and I ended up playing great and uh, winning that tournament. I think that kind of shot me, shot me up. And uh, that's kind of when the big tournaments started happening, uh, Australian Open. Then I was in Indian Wells before uh, Corona hit. And, uh, yeah, U.S. Open's probably just the real – where it felt real, you know. That's a big boy tournament. I was playing some, like, medium tournaments. Yeah. So let's talk about your family a little bit. So I went to school with Chase, my dog. I love my boy Chase, man. He's a great kid, great player, great athlete, man. Your family – is insane. (laughs) You got you, Chase, Sabrina, who else? Danielle. Like, I know I'm missing more wolves, but like, (laughs) I mean, this is crazy. Like what is, what is in you guys that just breeds athletes? Like who is, who is the maker of all this like great athletes? You know, for, for the wolf side of our family, it would have had to start with my, uh, my grandpa, Charlie, my dad's father. And uh, honestly, my, my dad's mom as well was actually a good athlete. It's just a different time back then, you know. She was, she was a basketball and tennis player, but she said she hated playing basketball because she was only allowed to play defense. You know, couldn't cross half. 
She was like, I didn't like that at all. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think they kind of bred their, my grandparents had six boys and uh, that, you know, that's a competitive environment. Well, you know, whatever, a couple years apart, some of them were on the same teams and, uh, you know, the bigger, older brothers would, you know, kind of teach the younger brothers. My grandpa would be doing his job, you know, he's coaching the Pistons and the Cincinnati Royals for a while and, you know, had all his jobs. He can't be, you know, teaching all of them. He'd only get a select amount of time. So I think they kind of like came together and, you know, helped each other out, which was cool. And then, you know, excellence was kind of expected. You know, your, your dad's head coach in the NBA, you know, played basketball, football, baseball, Notre Dame, and then played, uh, you know, after. So I don't know. I just think it's that mentality that's kind of drilled into you at a young age that we want to be like our fathers or our mothers or whoever kind of taught us what comes with, you know, working hard. Mm -hmm. It's like there's nothing better than, you know, putting in that work, getting that sweat in, and then, you know, getting the reward from it. Yeah, man, that's exactly right. That mindset, man. I love that mindset. I love it. And we see older cousins, younger cousins, everyone, they're doing great. We want to do great. And then we get to support each other. You know, I've got two cut like Chase and Alex, they're both right around my age. Uh, we would always be, you know, we're real close, just rooting each other on. I think Chase and Alex have got to text me maybe 15 minutes after every match I play. And after everyone, you know, whatever they're doing, Chase playing a game. You know, we're, we're all texting each other right after. And it's, you know, it's just a good support group. Everyone's so proud of each other, which is cool. That's love, man. That's love. And I got a lot of love for your family, man. Y'all are, y'all are some goats for real. <laughs> when it's all said and done, what do you want the name JJ Wolf to be synonymous with in the sport of tennis? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think it would, it would be really good to kind of have my, my name represent kind of like a fighter out there you know I'm not the tallest guy out there you know maybe probably not the most talented and uh if I can kind of make a name for myself and kind of be known as like this fighter out there who just kind of like gives it everything he has and works his butt off I think that would be you know a good way to walk away from the the game one day being known as AJ, man I appreciate this man thank you so much for coming on future number one tennis player in the nation his name, I'm calling it right now, Jeff Hefe Hopkins right now, Thursday, October 1st, 627 p.m., J.J. Wolf. His name will be up there with Federer, Ash, Rafa Nadal, the whole list, man. This guy, is, he's next. He's next up, man. Thank you, J.J. We love that. Put a little pressure on it. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks for the talk, bro. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you to JJ Wolf for coming on and spending some time with me. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review. I'll be back next week for more sports talk and interviews. I'll see you all next week. Peace.